time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and also powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we waited just a little extra time so we could see what the conclusion of the Philly-Chicago game was. And, oh, my goodness, what a heartbreaker for that uh, Windy City team and the kicker, man. That's just the way you hate to see a team go down in the postseason. But the miracle of Nick continues. Right, the guy just has ice through his veins. What a legend Nick Foles is, always leading the team in the fourth quarter. The clutchest quarterback in the NFL are one of them. Um, and I, like I told you uh, off when we were not recording yet, I told you that Vance probably thought he should have kicked the field goal two plays ago, so he's probably questioning that decision. But great playoff weekend. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me think of the questions we've been getting in the comment that, you know, what what's your ideal scenario for a quarterback for the Broncos in 2019? And, you know, the more Nick goes on to win, man, the more Carson Wentz, it's like, why are you as a franchise continuing? I get it, because Carson Wentz is a stud, right? Like, number two overall pick, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, will to win, arm talent, you name it. But he just hasn't been able to stay healthy for his team. And meanwhile, Nick comes in and just wins when it counts, clutch, has to win all three games to even make it to the playoffs, does, beats the Rams, gets into the tournament and goes on the road and wins in a historically difficult place to win, especially in the playoffs in January football, beats the Bears. And even if he gets bounced in the divisional round next week, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to possibly be open to some conversations this spring. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible what he's done, and it's incredible that the job that Doug Peterson has done with both these quarterbacks, and we've all heard of being Wally pipped, right? When you get injured and your replacement comes in and you don't get your job back. Mm. It happened to Carson Wentz two years in a row. I mean, the guy won the Super Bowl and the MVP, and he did it again this year, and he's he's made himself a lot of money. Oh, yeah. He's technically going to be a free agent in the offseason, and he the Eagles might have him under the franchise tag, but they might look to trade him, and they're going to get a king's ransom. Every win he makes coming off that Super Bowl, he's making himself a ton of money. He's going to be a one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and as you see each week, I mean, to come back against a, a tough Bears defense on the road in the fourth quarter in crunch time, you can't teach that. That's why they make so much money. That's why he's going to be a franchise quarterback. It kind of reminds me, you might be too young to remember this, Zach, but you probably at least recognize it in NFL annals, but kind of reminds me of the quarterback situation of the late 80s, early 90s New York Giants where you you had Phil Simms who was on his way to a Hall of Fame caliber type of career, wins the Super Bowl in 86, beating John Elway and the Denver Broncos. The Giants continue under Bill Parcells to just be a tough winning team each and every year. But then Phil Simms gets hurt, 
and Jeff Hostetler comes in, wins that second Super Bowl in which, uh, you know, the Bills, you remember it was the Scott Norwood where he, whatever it was, oh, wide, wide right, wide right, yeah, in the last second cost the Bills a ring. And that was Hostetler, and the team never really turned back to Phil Sims. Now, here's the thing I wonder is with Philadelphia, at what point do they do they tempt the football gods by saying, look, he brought us a world championship, the first ever Super Bowl that Philadelphia has been able to take down Main Street, ho- hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And now, you know, even if they don't, even again, if they, they get bounced next week in the divisional round, he's already got him another, he got Doug Peterson another playoff win. This one, a right. tough one on the road. At what point are you cutting off your nose to spite your face? Because you value this phenomenal number two overall pick in which you sold the farm to move up and get him. I get that, but it's almost like, one in the hands worth two in the bush. Like if you got an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position, the most coveted position in the NFL, I think 2019 is going to be the year in which something changes and shifts for the Eagles at the quarterback position. I'm just not quite to a point where I could put my finger on saying which one of those quarterbacks is on their way out. Obviously, the odds would dictate and tell us it's probably going to be the the older guy and they're going to hold on to the younger guy. But you never know, man, how these things can shake out. But you just got to keep tipping your hat to Nick, man. As you said, ice in his veins. You talk about being blessed. The Eagles have two franchise quarterbacks on the roster. The Broncos would kill for one of them. So uh, if I were the Eagles, Wentz now two years in a row, that's back-to-back severe injuries, and you have a backup quarterback who's coming in and winning games and winning titles, I'd be a little apprehensive about trading him. I would hold on to him and use that franchise tag as costly as it may be, and it might not be feasible because Philadelphia's their cap situation is just terrible. Uh, but considering Wentz's history, I don't want to fold and just name my price he's under our control i want two first round draft picks i want so and so that's what i would do if i was philly if i can manage it i'd keep them both on the roster because as of right now as good as wentz is he's not reliable and as you know even though Foles doesn't start every time he's in the game he makes something happen that's that's what it comes down to for a quarterback yeah it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out how this postseason ends up turning out for the Philadelphia Eagles but meanwhile you know those are way in the future considerations as it pertains to the Denver Broncos we have a head coaching search that has not quite yet coalesced into a a permanent solution a hire has not yet been made before we dive into the events that have transpired since last we were able to talk to you let me remind you, you got to be following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Today, Zach and I are going to go through the Mile High Mailbag on Twitter, all your questions, all your comments, all your reactions. And if you want to get in on that, you got to be following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Really easy to remember. And then also, take some time if you have not done this. I was just checking it out on iTunes the other day. We have thousands and thousands of listeners to this show. Each and every episode on iTunes is the majority of our our. Uh, downloads our subscribers i think we have something like 65 reviews something like that that's great it's i'm not complaining i just think it can be more so if you haven't taken the time yet do your duty leave a creative review give us a five-star rating and tell us what you think of the show zach and i value your input we value your your take on how you enjoy this podcast but whether it's itunes whether it's stitcher 
iHeart, but especially iTunes and Stitcher. Take some time, leave a creative review, rate the show. We appreciate it. So let's uh, backtrack a little bit, and then we can get into analysis of where things go from here. The Broncos, obviously, almost every Broncos fan should know this by now, but the Broncos have interviewed, met with four different head coaching candidates up to this point, with Vic Fangio left on the docket for Monday. Now, Fangio's got nothing but time on his hands for the next couple of months because his team just got bounced. And it was his unit, oddly enough, or ironically enough, that gave up that final drive by Nick uh, in which they were protecting a five-point lead in the clutch and just couldn't keep the Eagles out of the end zone. Came down to a fourth down play, albeit on the goal line, but Fangio's unit broke. So it'll be interesting to see how that particular interview shakes out for Fangio and really how bad he wants to be a head coach. I'm still not convinced he even cares that much about being a head coach, but we'll save that for another time. The Broncos have interviewed, let's go through this really quick. It started with uh, Chuck Pagano, Zach Taylor, Mike Munchak, and then uh, Saturday they flew out to Boston and interviewed defense coordinator of the Patriots, Brian Flores. So that's kind of where things stand. In the meantime, there have also been reports of teams contacting the Broncos trying to get their foot in the door as it pertains to Gary Kubiak. Two teams, the Bengals, the Falcons, want him as offensive coordinator. John Elway has blocked it, probably with Kubiak's blessing. Kubiak, by all reports and everything we've heard as well, wants to remain in Denver where his boys are and where his grandkids and where his roots are. So I don't expect that to change, Zach. But what have been your thoughts, let's just say, before we talk about what we expect, where this goes, what we've heard, what have been your thoughts on this last week of the Broncos coaching search? You know, we've touched on the fact that we've been less than impressed by the overall, you know, we expected them to cast maybe a wider net. Right. But what have been your thoughts so far on just the way things have shaken out up until this point? Well, they're moving pretty quickly. For one, they went from L.A. to Boston to, uh, you know, they're going to be to Chicago and back to Denver tomorrow. So they're moving quickly. They have a, a short list of candidates. And I firmly believe, considering no other interviews, no other candidates, the next head coach is coming from this group. And from what we're hearing from all reports, and everything indicates that Mike Munchek is now the uh, favorite I don't personally agree with that. I'm like I like you just said. I'm less than impressed with the overall group, but they're moving quickly. They should have a new head coach by next week. Um, maybe a decision by Wednesday, Thursday of a press conference. The next head coach is coming from this group, and I guess the common denominator is they're all retreads to some extent. They they're you know except the two yeah. inexperienced guys. So I hope hope. Taylor still gets some consideration for coordinator. I don't think he has candidacy for head coach just yet. Um, I think Munchak though is going to be the favorite. Yeah. I mean, I think for Mike Munchak, well, here's the thing, as far as the idea that the Broncos really limited their interviews to just five candidates after this, of course, being the is going to be the fourth head coach John Elway will have hired since he arrived back in Denver, this time in the front office. You, We both expected and hoped at least that they would cast a wider net. Well, one thing I've been told from behind closed doors is that the Broncos had this initial wave so to speak of interviews lined up and they they scheduled five of them and then they were going to wait and see how the wild card weekend shake uh, shaped up and then perhaps try and look at scheduling a few more interviews for the second week but mike munchak strolled into denver and and during a 10-hour meeting with john elway and the brass but especially some one-on-one time with elway what i was told is quote he blew their socks off, Mike Munchak. So the Broncos just came away completely impressed by Munchak. 
And it really just made them kind of change their minds in terms of saying, look, we need to keep this search alive and continue because they found a, a candidate who checked off all their boxes. We'll talk about some of his bona fides. I know he's not the sexiest or wouldn't be the sexiest hire. We'll talk more about him. But the bottom line is the Broncos had ideas on having another wave of interviews, but they seem to, Zach, really be settled in on Mike Munchak. And a couple things about him, of course, everybody probably knows he's, a, as a player, a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, nine-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. As a head coach of the Tennessee Titans, though, is this is where it, people have a hard time getting excited. He left the head coaching ranks 22 and 26 as a record, which is .458. So it's a sub-500 head coaching record. He's been with the Pittsburgh Steelers ever since from 2014 till present, coaching the offensive line. So one of the big draws, though, Zach, to Mike Munchak, aside from the, you know, the fact that he would be a retread, meaning he has experience, you know, he's been through the pitfalls, he knows what he wouldn't do, he has competency, he can organize, he can teach, he can coach, all these things. But one of the big draws as it pertains specifically to the Broncos is they need to fix the offensive line. And what better guy? It's like, look what for example, Bill Kalar did when he arrived in Denver in 2015 as the best defensive line coach in the NFL. All of a sudden, yeah, Wade Phillips, great play caller, great schemer, X's and O's. But were it not for that additional piece of Kolar coming to town and turning around guys like Malik Jackson into Pro Bowl caliber, Derek Wolf Pro Bowl caliber, even getting Sylvester Williams to play and kick out kick his coverage, etc. I mean, all of a sudden, you had the best defensive line in football. So that's how quickly it can turn around. And that's what the Broncos have in mind with regard to Mike Munchak is they're thinking, look, if we had a better offensive line, we probably could have gotten farther, even with Case Keenum. So that's, I think, a lot of it, Zach, is is their thinking, especially as he can fix the offensive line, bring physicality, bring tough-nosed accountability back to Denver. You know, I hear you on that, and I hear you on what he can bring and how revered he is and how respected he is. And uh, he also has some family in Denver, so he's familiar with the area. And he's staying behind after his interview, or he he did stay behind, or he, you know he, he is, is staying behind. He's still in Denver. Yeah, so so that leads some to believe, hint hint, that he could be getting an, uh, an offer potentially right. soon. So, um, I just, it doesn't move the needle for me. And, and to your point about the offensive line, they have a great coach right now and Sean Coogler who did an amazing job last season and he's reportedly getting some sniffs around the NFL teams teams want to poach him and the Broncos are letting the next head coach you know keep their staff in place so I feel comfortable leaving the O-line to Coogler and, and using that head coaching position for either defense and you have Vic Fangio who would double as a coordinator and a head coach so you're getting two guys in one, mm. or an up-and-coming coach like Zach Taylor who can bring cutting-edge offensive innovation back to Denver and hopefully not have to be settled by Gary Kubiak. He just doesn't move the needle for me, Munchak. I, yeah. I get it, and I like him more than Pagano, but he's definitely not my favorite. He, he's a, um, It doesn't bring excitement. It's not going to sell tickets. It's not going to put butts in seats next year. I think the fan base really wants Fangio or they want Zach Taylor. I think Munchak falls uh, way below that. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. It's just... It's not a sexy hire. The only problem is I, I'm not at a point where I can say it's necessarily the wrong hire. I think right. so I long as he – so it, for me, it comes down to the coordinators. And, yeah. w, you know, without going too far out on a limb, um, I think the Broncos, part of these five interviews was the camouflage of also talking to certain guys about 
their thoughts on coming in as offensive coordinator while also picking their brain on what they would do you know, with their respective schemes. If Mike Munchak gets announced as head coach, and then shortly thereafter we find out Chuck Pagano is hired as defensive coordinator and Zach Taylor gets hired as offensive coordinator. I can get on board with that. I could all of a sudden get excited because with Zach, for example, you team him up with some sort of involvement with Gary Kubiak on the offensive side. So you've, you kind of got the best of both worlds. You've got the championship foundation of Gary Kubiak, who let's not forget as a coach has four Super Bowl rings. Okay. Now granted, you know, three of them were from the nineties, but He's got bona fides. Then you build on top of that foundation this new college, uh, these offensive schemes, the RPO with Zach Taylor, what he's seen inside baseball at L.A. with with everything that Sean McVay's doing. You bring in his brother from Philly, the quarterback's coach there to come contribute, whether you want to make him a quarterback's coach. You team him up with Clint Kubiak, who's also personal friends with Zach Taylor as they were both on staff as, I think, graduate assistants at uh, – uh, what is it, Texas uh, A&M. So anyway, there's there's some ways you could kind of get excited, but it, for me, Zach, really would come down to those coordinator hires. Who is he going to rely on Munchak to be the coordinators? Because if you look at his last two guys, I think it was in Tennessee, um, it, they were less than inspiring. One of them, uh, Logan's. I have to pull it up and, and double-check it again, but he, he does have ties to great Greg Williams once upon a time as one of his coordinators, but he just didn't seem to surround himself with very forward-thinking, effective coordinators during his time in Tennessee, which might have been part of the problem in why he finished sub-500. Uh, it's a good counterpoint, and if we're naming dream coaching staffs, I have no problem if, if Munchak is the head coach and he gets Zach Taylor as the OC and Pagano or maybe Todd Bowles. That was my personal favorite choice um, as the DC. I'd have no problem with that. I can get on board with that. What I don't want and what a worst-case scenario to me is is Munchak and Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. It's just uninspiring. It's just antiquated. It's old-fashioned. It's not going to win in today's NFL. And another thing about Munchak is even when he was the Titans head coach, their offensive line wasn't that great, and that's his background. And the Broncos just fired a coach whose background was, you know, the secondary, and their secondary was awful. And he also, you know, he had Jake Locker, but he didn't get the most out of him. It's just, to me, it's very uninspiring. The only way I'd get on board with Munchak as the head coach, like you said, great point, is if he nails his coaching hires. And it's got to be, as the OC, it's got to be a young up-and-coming guy. Whether that's Zach Taylor or somebody else, they have to have young innovation on that offensive side of the ball. They cannot just have Munchak and rely on Gary Kubiak. To me, it's way too antiquated. You know what would be cool as far as the defensive backs coach, secondary guy? Why not put in a call to, say, Champ Bailey, a guy who's probably Mm -hmm. headed to the Hall of Fame this year, Say, hey, man, what are your thoughts on returning to football as a coach and imparting your wealth of knowledge that helped vault and launch the career of a guy like Chris Harris Jr.? What would your thoughts be to come in and, you know, learn at the feet of a proven defensive coordinator? You coach your specialty in the secondary. Just something to keep in mind. And one thing, too, I want to tip my hat to and give credit to is Eric Trickle's done a great job the last few days bringing some insight, info, some buzz to our VIP subscribers at Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports Behind Closed Doors. So I want to tip my cap to Eric. He's done a great job. And it's just been – this is the time of year I've been trying to tell people that from January 1 through the draft is when we get the most behind-the-scenes information because, I mean, think about it. During the regular season, how much inside info is really actually being passed around? I mean, 
teams are completely focused on the games at hand. That's 100% the focus, except for the scouting departments that are out across the country scouting the college game. All of the movement, all of the interesting things, all that happens in coalesces from January through the draft. And so this is the time now to become a Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports VIP subscriber. For those of you listening, Zach and I are tracking this on Sunday evening. There's going to be a special offer available to you as of Monday morning. You're going to want to jump on that because it's going to get you locked in through these. It's going to give you the opportunity to get locked in through these crucial months leading up to the draft. So just keep an eye out for that at milehighhuddle.com. So, Zach, let's move on and uh, touch on some of the questions here from the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer the absolution and burning answers to your Broncos questions. And the first one here, let me pull it up. We had a lot of good questions in the mailbag today. Obviously, you guys got a lot on your minds here. We'll start off here with our friend Jacob Smith on Twitter at JSMileHigh9798. Zach, with the coaching search coming to a head, what should the Broncos' priorities be in free agency? Regardless of who the head coach is, what should the, the priorities be in free agency? I think first and foremost, they have to look in-house and determine who they want to keep from their own free agent pile. I mean, you have Shaquille Barrett, Bradley Roby, Shane Ray, who's not coming back, obviously, but you have Shelby Harris, restricted free agent. There's so many, Matt Parrott is free agent. There's so many players that are expiring contracts they might look to bring back. So I would determine based on the coaching staff and their uh, preferences and this and that, whether they want to bring them back. But they got to get offensive line help. They need secondary help. Uh, They can use a quarterback for sure. Uh, They have some holes to fill. But I, I, it's hard to answer without knowing the next head coach and whether they keep Case Keenum, uh, whether he's offensive or defensive or offensive line. Um, it's hard to know, but they do have some needs and they have to address those first. And I think that has to be their own free agents and players with expiring contracts. Yeah. But let me ask you this. If uh, among the group of free agents, so only the guys poised to be unrestricted in 2019, who, if any, do you believe the Broncos have to bring back? I got two in mind, but who do you got? I, I Restricted free agent-wise, or you mean just all types of free agents? No, just unrestricted free Un, agents. Unrestricted. Uh, I'm, Paradis, I, to me, is, is a must. you got to bring him back. And right. the guy's just an Iron Man. I'd look, if I possible, to bring back Barrett in a reserve role. He said he'd be open to taking a, a minor haircut or a discount if they just if it's close, if the numbers are close. I still think he gets a contract from an outside team, uh, but to me, he never got a shot, and whenever he was on the field, he made plays. So I'm a big Shaq Barrett fan, but to me, first and foremost, you got to take care of Matt paradise yeah absolutely i also think just with jake butt's future availability this being his third acl significant ligament tear in his knee uh, as a football career i think you gotta find a way to bring back jeff hireman and i think Mm -hmm. you can i think the broncos could get him back in denver on the relative cheap because you know here he is hitting his first his opportunity for a second contract coming out of a contract year in which he basically only played half of it and he did a good job like that was probably the best overall uh, tight end play the Broncos have had since the the you know the heyday of Julius Thomas you could maybe throw in Owen Daniels one year uh, on the Super Bowl champion Broncos in 2015 but Hireman played some solid football and obviously you could see how badly this offense suffered when he was lost ultimately over the middle of the field. Because I think if, you know, when, when Emmanuel Sanders went down later on, I think if you still would have had a, Jeff, a healthy Jeff Hireman, things wouldn't have careened so 
severely off the track for the Denver Broncos. But to answer real quick for Jacob Smith, for me, I think priority-wise, free agent-wise, you're not going to go out. I mean, with the amount of money the Broncos are on the hook for Case Keenum, they're not going to go out and make some blockbuster move for Joe Flacco. They're not going to go out and make some huge payout move for even a Nick Foles. I could see him trading uh, capital to get a relatively cheap quarterback like a Carson Wentz in a perfect world. I just, I still at this point I have a hard time seeing that happen. To me, Zach, where the Broncos need to spend some of their free agent dollars, because they're going to have a pretty penny as it relates mm-hmm. to cal- uh, salary cap space this year, they've sure got to rebuild the secondary. Yes. They have to find some cornerback help, and they have to find some safety play, and they have to cut Darian Stewart finally and get rid of that train wreck. Uh, they got to repair that secondary because it has become, I think, by far their biggest overall team's team weakness. I mean, correct me if I'm boss yeah. side. That's quarterback. Right. Well, I mean, defensive side of the ball, the Broncos, are they just took a huge step back. I mean, 2017, they suffered, I think, mostly from uh, poverty of the spirit, if you will. I mean, it was more like – guys who were still kind of hooked on this idea that they were the Super Bowl champs, they knew better than their new young head coach. This time it was more of just a devoid of talent. <clears throat> and in this case, the Broncos, I think they need to get a safety, at least one safety. They need to get at least one corner. And there's some good options, Zach. I'm looking at what Spot Track currently has available as unrestricted free agents heading into 2019. Just at the safety position, you got guys like Earl Thomas. Now, granted, all these names I'm about to mention just real quick, I mean, they're going to cost a lot of money. <clears throat> but the Broncos are in a position this time around where they can spend. They can make some splashes in free mm-hmm. agency. So you got Earl Thomas, you got LaMarcus Joyner from LA, you got Kareem Jackson from Houston, who's a phenomenal, versatile player that can play corner and safety. You got the corner from Tampa, Brent Grimes, you got the Honey Badger. Mo Claiborne, who kind of had a resurgence in his career with the New York Jets. And we could continue to go down. There's there's some pretty solid options there. So the Broncos will have an opportunity to upgrade the secondary with free agency this time around. So <clears throat> here's one from Matthew Slagle. He says on Twitter, mslagleonv, seems like Munchak is the favorite. While I'd hire Taylor, I understand why Munchak may be the guy. I'm not taking myself I'm not talking myself into him like I did with Vance Joseph. I think Munchak though will be better his second time around, but his offensive coordinator hire is key to this. Hopefully it's Taylor? Question mark Zach. Yeah, I think he pretty much nailed that take. That's exactly how I feel. I, I, I understand it. I don't necessarily agree if they hire Munchak, but I understand why they would do it. They need a stable hand at that position. They need a respected guy who will get the most out of his players and hold them accountable and, and demand results. And that is Mike Munchak. And he might be better the second time around. Some coaches are. I fully agree, though. And it all comes down to his offensive coach, uh, coaching staff. If he can go young, if they can somehow uh, marry uh, Munchak and Zach Taylor together. To me, that's yeah. best case scenario. So if they can do that, it's a win-win across the board. I fully agree, though. They have to get younger. They have to get innovative at OC. So if they can do that, I'm on board. I really don't think. <clears throat> excuse me. I really don't think it's Kubiak nor the Broncos' preferred option to have Kubiak be the offensive coordinator because. That's a. I mean, we talk about the head coach being a demanding job, and we know why he stepped down two years ago, but. I mean, let's face it, offensive coordinator is an extremely demanding profession. So I don't think that's the preferred thing. I think the only way you see Gary Kubiak ending up as the offensive coordinator is if, you know, 
option A, B, C doesn't quite work out and they need something that they can be confident in to pair with, you know, Mike Munchak. But if you think about this, Zach, if Mike Munchak does indeed end up being the hire and the Broncos hit it out of the park and they're able to woo Chuck Pagano, who is obviously from Colorado, grew up in Boulder, pretty sure he still lives in Colorado, or at least has a home in Colorado, makes a lot of sense for him to say, you know what, I didn't get the head job, but yeah, you know what, I'm going to take some a solid paycheck and stay in Colorado and coach this phenomenally talented still defense. you got a former head coach as your defense coordinator. Even if you get Zach Taylor, which is still a stretch, but let's say you do, his inexperience is checked by Gary Kubiak on staff. So you got two former head coaches also working under Mike Munchak as a retread this is where we get into what, you know, you start talking yourself into how this could work out. But again, it's, it comes down to the coordinator hires. Uh, you know, to your point about uh, Kubiak as OC, I think the only scenario where he's the full-time OC is if Zach Taylor uh, gets the head coaching job. And then he can call plays and, and Gary can just be on staff in title only kind of managing him. If they comes back to an offensive role, which is looking really likely now, it might be an assistant head coaching title or a consultant title, an associate title. He's going to be involved in some way. I just hope he's not solely the offensive head coach, so to speak. I want someone young in that position. So um, in terms of having Pagano as the D.C., that's if he doesn't get this job and he doesn't want another job. There's so many openings around the NFL still. So quarter if he of the thinks, league. Right. Yeah. If he thinks he can't get another job elsewhere, yeah, maybe he um, rebuilds his stock in Denver for one year, then looks next offseason. So I would be on board with that. But you have to wonder, you put all these retreads together. At what point is is experienced having too much experience? You know, at some point you have to have innovation. And I keep saying that word, but I mean, you see the Matt Nagy's and you see the McVeigh's uh, and the Kyle Shanahan's. The Broncos desperately need that in some capacity. If it's not head coach, to me, it has to be O.C., yeah, and that's a fair point. I mean, I cannot disagree with you that as much as, you know, and that's why you can't, it's hard to envy the position that John Elway's in right now in terms of hiring the next head coach because on one hand, you know that this is a team that needs a head coach in which the locker room can be impressed, right? And like, look, instant credibility. That was one of the issues with Vance Joseph is he stepped onto a, a team with a locker room with rings who felt like it, they knew better than their head coach. Joseph didn't have bona fides. And so on one hand, as, as John Elway, you're looking for a coach who can kind of bring that some way, somehow, whether it's on his resume, whether it's like in the case of Munchak. Yeah, he's not a Super Bowl winning former head coach. But look, guys, I know what I'm talking about. I'm in the Hall of Fame. Are you in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Sit down, you know, that type of thing. But on the other, he's trying to, as we've heard reports, that he's intrigued by the new college type of offensive concepts that focus on the RPO and a lot of pre-snap movement, spreading the field out. So he's trying to balance that that proven, uh, established, you know, reliable head coach with, as you say, also trying to be on the cutting edge of NFL offensive innovation. And it's just simply... You know, it's not going to be easy to get them both. So we'll see how it shakes out. But here's one from Jedi Joshua. This ties in a little bit to what we just touched on. But he says, look, brothers, we seem like we will, in fact, have Kubiak again. I love the guy. But, man, nothing but worry from a Munchak-Kubiak pairing. Has Kubiak been studying hard on the new spread RPO concepts? Because I don't think a steady hand at head coach makes us a contender. Zach, I don't. I've not heard or been told or read anything about Kubiak staying on top of, you know, the new schemes that are predominating the NFL. 
I, I, to Joshua's point, it's spot on. That's what I was saying. I'm a Kubiak Munchak pairing to me is worst case scenario. I, it's doomsday to me. I don't want that at all. And whether he's kept up, I'm sure he has because he is still an advisor and his job is to keep up with the current NFL and how players are performing. And he notices how in the NFL RPOs and all that stuff are coming very commonplace. So I'm sure he's watched film. I'm sure he has a, a general knowledge of it, but when, whether he's locking himself in an office for 12 hours a day studying RPOs, we don't know that yet. Yeah, and he, let's face it, even if he wanted to install some of those concepts, his two years in Denver as head coach, it's not like he had ideal RPO type of quarterbacks. Peyton and Osweiler in year one, then, well, I guess he had Paxton Lynch that he was reticent to play. Like, he straight up, like, you can blame John Elway for making a bad draft pick, but Gary Kubiak, once that kid got on the roster, played at least a 50% role on why that kid burned out in the NFL and why he's a bona fide bust. I mean, he's one he's of, tall. I think, <laughs> Paxton's tall. Um, <laughs> I think he's one of like only two quarterbacks picked in the first round to start four or less games. I mean, it's like a ridiculous stat, right? Are we, ro- are we roasting Paxton Lynch right now? Because I can get on board with this. Well, it's, you're right. We're, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> You know, we're, we we digress here. But what I'm getting at is Kubiak had the opportunity to jump in on that game. I mean, for Pax, all of the limitations of Paxton Lynch, he would have been ideal in a system like that, right? Where you're running a lot of spread, uh, you're making it easy for him to read the defense, you're doing run-pass options where he can either throw on his first read or hold on to the ball and run it. Kubiak didn't want to do that. He wanted to stay with the backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon, a guy he could trust to run his system. And that's the other thing that we should talk about here is if Kubiak were the offensive coordinator, one thing that would be very, for me, less than encouraging is the idea of I'm, I remain seriously confident that the Broncos are going to go in big on a quarterback in the draft this year. I think they're going to try and make a splash at the top of the draft. And if they do get a quarterback early, and even if it's not early in the draft, they're going to draft a quarterback. How confident are you that that quarterback's going to have a leg up in terms of hitting the ground running as a pro? Because Kubiak has been the type of guy that says, no, quarterback, you're coming into the league, you're learning my system. Instead of saying, quarterback, I'm going to take what you do well, what makes you comfortable, what you're experienced with, and I'm going to build around that. I mean, we've heard the coach speak around that from Denver the last couple of years. We just haven't seen it in practical application. But Kubiak mm-hmm. is literally like the worst example of, no, you're <laughs> going to do it my way, Peyton. And even though it paid off in a world championship, I mean, it almost came in spite of that. If it wasn't for the defense, I mean, that offense was one of the worst offenses all time to win a Super Bowl. Right. I was going to say, they didn't win because Peyton in that game. They won because of the defense. And, you know, what I feel about the quarterback class, it's less to do about Kubiak and more to do about the collective talent of this draft class. I don't like it at all. The only QB I would even consider taking in round one, maybe two tops, are Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. And I'm not that sold on Locke. So it's not a strong class at all. What about Haskins? I... I, yeah, I, you know, I want to watch more film on him. I, he's okay, but I want to hold out till 2020. You know, you have Tua. That's my guy right there. So if they're going to go franchise quarterback heavy in a draft, they can get by for one more year. And if Kubiak is the OC, I'm sure he'll find some way to sign Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, <laughs> he, he likes that style of quarterback. I just don't see him being the OC. I don't think it's a, a good marriage in the type of the NFL considering he's been out of the game for the past couple of years and the game has evolved. Yeah. I just don't see it him developing the offense or any rookie quarterback and having success in the long term. Here's one from Zach on Twitter at Baxter 14. Um, 
What if the Broncos offered swapping first-round picks to get Harbaugh? Would moving up to pick 10 be intriguing enough for the Ravens? Many teams have given up more to move up less spots. I, I don't think they will. And I don't think they should give up a first-round draft pick for John Harbaugh. And after watching today's game, he made a lot of mistakes on the sideline. And he kind of reminded me of Vance a little bit. So it kind of soured me on him. Just, I would not give up a first-round draft pick. I would give up a no. third and a player, let's say, or conditional. I would not give up a first. So it's not going to happen. He'll probably sign a one-year extension or so to stay there. And the Broncos' next head coach, like I said, is going to come from the group of five and not John Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, if you look at precedent, the last time a head coach was traded in the NFL was, in fact, John Gruden. And I was reminded of this the other day. I had almost forgotten. But Tampa Bay gave up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, plus $8 million in cash to acquire John Gruden. What a haul. It, it paid off in the short term, right? They won the right. Super Bowl. But then in the ensuing six seasons in which he was head coach, they were devoid of talent. Those four premium picks really cost him. They ended up making two more playoff appearances but beyond that Super Bowl championship in 2002, but they just could not get over the hump. He, he didn't win another playoff game after year one as head coach and then eventually burned out. So that should serve as a cautionary tale. And meanwhile, the Raiders went to the Super Bowl that next year, <clears throat> lost to Gruden, uh, and then just that was the last time they were anything. They completely fell apart. They blew all those picks. It was just brutal for the Oakland Raiders in the final days of the late Al Davis. So uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think Harbaugh, for, at this point, the Broncos have kind of moved on. Even though Elway on Black Monday, as we've already talked about earlier on in the week, he wouldn't close the book on it then. I think at this point, from what we've heard, he's checked Baltimore Ravens. They want to hold on to Harbaugh. And uh, the Broncos obviously have to move on. Now, here's one from Kyle Thomas on Twitter, at KyleT2008. He talks about Kubiak being a foregone conclusion as offensive coordinator. I think we've already touched on that. But then his second question is, is Joe Flacco on John Elway's radar? What are your thoughts on that, Zach? Uh, to, to trade for him and pick up his salary, I think you you hinted at that earlier, that with Case Keenum's contract and Von Miller's contract, if they keep him, which they will, uh, despite other outlets reporting otherwise, um, I just um, it's not feasible to take on Joe Flacco and they shouldn't either. They don't need more band-aids. They don't need more holdovers or more stop gaps. They got to find a young franchise quarterback in some way, whether that's a trade or in the draft. They got to find a young guy. Joe Flacco is not the answer. So uh, from a personnel standpoint, a logical standpoint and a financial standpoint, it doesn't make sense. I don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, if Case Keenum signed only a one-year deal and he's gone in 2019, the Broncos would have wide-open options to go out and spend on a quarterback or even make a trade in which they can absorb pretty much any contract. That's not the case, unfortunately. The Broncos are pretty much locked into Case Keenum in 2019, which makes Joe Flacco a relative non-option. Here's one from Rob Myrick on Twitter, at New York Mafioso. Please go through the top three scenarios of coaching staff. Personally, I'm not a fan of Joe Woods or Bill Musgrave. I'm not sure exactly what Rob is asking of us there, but let's say this, Zach. If, in fact, Mike Munchak is the head coaching hire and that gets announced Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, in your book, what's the ideal coaching staff under Mike Munchak as far as the coordinators and which current coaches under contract by the Broncos Munchak keeps? 
Uh, well, I would fire Bill Musgrave if that answers the question. Boom. I would not keep him around. Yeah, I'd get rid of him, get rid of Joe Woods. I wouldn't keep a lot of coaches on the Broncos roster, assistant coaches. I'd keep uh, McMahon as the coordinator, special teams, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but I would get rid of Musgrave and Woods as the OC and DC. i bring Kalar back. i bring Zach Azani back, Curtis Modkins back. Yep. Um, uh, who am I forgetting here? You uh, might want to bring Mike Sullivan back as quarterback's coach, depending on how you view Case Keenum in 2019. Yeah. I, I I could I could go either way with that. You know, let's just hope that Zach Taylor gets the job. We don't have to worry about that. There you go. I think if Mike Munchak, we've pretty much addressed this already for you, Rob. But I think if Munchak is the hire, ideally in a perfect world, if he could get Chuck Pagano as defensive coordinator and Zach Taylor as offensive coordinator, you would have an excited fan base and something to really look forward to in 2019. Yep. Um, here's one from Christy. I've seen reports and comments that Vic Fangio has made about preparations for possible head coaching interviews, and he seems very comfortable where he is and what he is doing, not to mention that he's very focused at the moment. Obviously, this was before the game. Do you think he has that total interest or that fire to be a head coach that I think those comments were a little misinterpreted the wrong way. I mean, from, you know, you see it printed out and it looks bad for him. He said he didn't want to take one phone call or he didn't do one hour of prep, whatever it was for his head coaching interviews. He's being courted by the Broncos and the Dolphins right now, among other teams. It rubbed, I guess, some the wrong way, but I think he meant that he's just locked in right now. And I I look at it like I'm feeling that energy. Like, I like that. He's completely zoned in on his playoff game, big playoff game, which didn't go his way today. And that's how it should be. I mean, you had an interview with the team, two teams, tomorrow, a day before your playoff game. I mean, you got to be focused on your job at hand. You haven't been offered anything yet. You're under contract with an employer. you got to focus and put your priority on that. I mean, to at least drill down into the idea of what she's getting out there, you know, I've talked about it on the show before that I question, and I know I'm not the only one, why at 60 years old and, you know, three decades basically of coaching in the NFL – Vic Fangio has never really even been in the conversation to be a head coach. And part of the reason why is that he, I don't think he's really wanted it all that bad. It's not been like a a high pursuit, kind of like Bill Kolar. Like he's been happy as a defensive line coach and that's where he wants to stay. And now I'm not saying that's exactly the same because Fangio has a more overarching job as a coordinator, but I don't think he's ever really been all that interested in pushing his resume to NFL head coaching vacancies. And this time around, something changed for him, and he's in that game. But he's kind of known as just having a, a little bit of a prickly personality that can be off-putting to some people. So whether he ends up getting the job in Denver or elsewhere, I'll be curious, Zach, to see how he does in other interviews. Or Because to my knowledge, the only one I know he's booked to have is the one in Denver. Have you heard of him taking another interview? Uh, Fangio has an interview tomorrow with the Dolphins as well, I believe. Okay, so sounds- those are the two teams that are courting him right now. If he doesn't get the, the Broncos job, um, you know, I think what you said is partially correct in the sense that I got no problem staying with you know my team. I have a great Bears defense, great team in place, great coaching staff. So I'm cool remaining here. But um, he is being courted. So right. it's his you know, it's his decision whether he wants to take another job or not. I see what you're saying that he seems like an off-putting type, a kind of a, a grouchy kind of type. You don't yeah. know how that would co- coalesce with Elway too well. That's a point you made um, yeah. off air. So I could see that. And that's why I think as much as I want him, my heart tells me he could be a good candidate, but my brain tells me it's going to be uh, Munchak. Right. Yep. With John Elway, anyone that's going to work under John Elway has to kiss the ring. 
Right. And um, unless you're Gary Kubiak, who's been his best buddy, you know, roommate since he was 21 years old, you know, you got to kiss the ring. And I just don't think Fangio's the type of guy that's going to come in and kneel down and kiss the ring and then say, you know, I'm yours to command, my lord. And so <laughs> we'll see how it shakes out. But let's shift gears here with a question that does not pertain to the coaching search, but it does pertain to a huge storyline that erupted right as we were approaching the weekend. Here's a question. Now, obviously, this was misreported because um, there were some blogs out there that kind of cut up a John Elway remark. I think we might have even touched on it in a previous podcast after Black Monday. I think we had one other recording where we sat down, went through, kind of parsed through some of what Elway said. He was basically asked in a conceptual way by Troy Rank whether or not Von Miller is an option, kind of like he's seen other teams around the NFL trading marquee players a la the Raiders and Khalil Mack, whether or not John Elway's thinking in that vein with a player like Von Miller. And John Elway's remarks, while he didn't rule it out, I mean, he had the opportunity to say, absolutely not, Von Miller's a Bronco. That's not something we're considering. He kind of, in a conceptual way, matching the question, answered it that same way, you know, basically saying, we're going to consider all that here very soon, basically. And some other blogs took that and ran with it, cut up his quotes, you know, put some sensational headlines behind it. And it just so happened, not to mention the fact that Denver Radio all week long was talking about how it's time to rebuild, and when you rebuild, you got to trade your marquee players. Von Miller, time to trade him, get some picks, get some capital, and rebuild this thing. And between it all, eventually Von Miller's mother caught wind of it, got fed up, interpreted it at face value, assuming that basically John Elway said, yeah, we're going to trade Von Miller, and went on a tirade. Zach, you can maybe elucidate on that a little bit more here when I field this question to you, but on Instagram, she basically just went off on Elway. And mm-hmm. so what this question is coming from Paul is at, on Twitter, at Paul80026, he says, is there in fact any rift between the Broncos front office and Von Miller, or is it just a mother blowing off steam? You know, when I wrote an article recently about this whole thing going on, I wrote that though there's a disconnect between those who represent the Broncos and those who represent Von Miller. I, I, something... It was ruffled along the lines. I don't know it's if it's when Vance called out Vaughn and set off that whole thing. I don't know if it's uh, about Elway's comments that he said his core group needs to play better, including Vaughn Miller, who had you know 14 and a half sacks. He had a great season. Um, I, I think it didn't sit well with that camp. And what Gloria Miller, Vaughn's mom, said was that Elway needs to look in the mirror pretty much. He can't pick a quarterback. He has can't pick an offensive line pretty much. That's what she said. Um, you know, he can't draft a quarterback. He hasn't had a good track record in that sense. And I think putting my tinfoil cap on for just one second, Vaughn and his mom are super close. And I think she was kind of a mouthpiece for Vaughn a little bit. I'm not trying to start another conspiracy. I'm really not. But what she said was so specialized and so specific and so tailored to the Broncos thinking and what a fan would say and what a a player close to the team would say. It just seemed like he was, she was talking for him. He's been hampered by a lackluster offense, hampered by having no quarterback, having to carry the weight on the team on his shoulders Hmm. and Elway's going to critique him. I mean, to me, it didn't sit right. But in terms of the whole trade thing, I never saw that narrative in Elway's answer. To me, like I wrote on Twitter, it was kind of like that dress meme where you either saw, what was it, gold or blue? 
I saw a typical non-answer in Elway's comments. It was just coach speak. He said, we'll have to explore all options, and he didn't say anything otherwise. And uh, unfortunately, it was kind of blown up into something it wasn't. It was always misquoted and miscirculated, and that's what happens with social media. As soon as he answered the way he did, I knew something like this was going to happen, whether it was right away or eventually later in the season. He left the door open. However you want to interpret it, he just he didn't slam the door. And so that just led us to where we are now. I don't think in any way there's, uh, to use your verbiage here, Paul, a rift between the front office and Miller, but I do think there is a little bit of a disconnect. I think guys like Von Miller, after basically two week, two years of you throwing in the towel on a head coach you handpicked and two years of unprecedented failure as a franchise, I think John Elway standing up there and saying we need our best players to play better on a question that directly involved Von Miller's name, I think well, you're talking about a guy who had an all-pro season. Do you really need to say that our great players need to play better. I mean, I think at the end of the day, yeah, sure, you can you can say that, and you're not going to be completely wrong, but at the end of the day, everybody knows, and the players included, Von Miller included, his mother included, that the Broncos' primary issue in 2017 and 2018 was coaching, period, and a story. Mm-hmm. You take a better coach, a better coaching staff, and apply it to that collection of players you're going to win more ball games. And it might only be one or two more games because the Broncos did suffer from a lack of talent and depth in 2018. But I think if the, to, to what Zach was saying, Paul, that if there is any kind of disconnect between front office and Von Miller, it's that, look, stop calling us out. Stop calling out the players every chance you get, especially when obviously at this point there's real egg on your face and you need to own up to it. You need to focus on what you can do to change – the the fortunes of the Denver Broncos instead of pointing to other people. I think that's really what it comes down to. Now, we're running out of time here, and let's just get a couple more because I don't think we're going to be able to get to everybody today. But here's one from – this is a salient option here – from Jake at JDEA028 on Twitter. Is the idea that Zach Taylor could get more out of Case Keenum this year until a future quarterback could be found or ready? Is the idea of that being undersold, Zach? Uh, it's a, it's a good point. It's not something I really considered that much of Taylor working with Keenum. I always kind of looked at it as Taylor working with a rookie or their future quarterback. But um, yeah, you know, to me, it's not much of an upgrade going from Bill Musgrave to anyone else. I mean, the way they mishandled Keenum and and not using enough play action and not rolling the pocket enough and things like that and the play calling, those are simple things. And I think Zach Taylor is young enough. He learned under McVay. He's innovative enough where he knows what it takes to succeed in the NFL, at least in the general basics which is what Bill Musgrave lacked last year. So if he can just, you know, by virtue of that alone, I think it'll be an upgrade. And I think he'll get more out of Keenum. And, and he gets more out of Keenum, you never know what can happen. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we're on the precipice. We're on the brink of the Broncos making a fateful decision. The 17th head coach of the team is going to be announced. Our bet here is within the next few days. We think it's going to be Mike Munchak. That's what yep. the signs are pointing to. Obviously, we're going to reserve our overall analysis on on that, depending on who the coordinator hires end up being. We'll see how that shakes out. In the meantime, one thing I do know is the Broncos, even though Munchak is the favorite, they are leaving the door open for Vic Fangio to blow him away. So we'll see how it shakes out tomorrow. He could completely change the game because, you know, they had Chuck Pagano, you had Zach Taylor interviewing, then Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak made the previous two, from what we've been told, afterthoughts in terms of 
candidates for the head job. Mike Munchak clearly raised himself above those two other guys that had previously interviewed in the moment. And so the Broncos recognized that and said, look, we have these interviews still lined up with Flores. We have another interview with Fangio. We're going to leave the door open to be wowed by these interviews. Now, again, I maintain my doubts that Fangio is going to come in with some presentation or pitch that's going to blow anybody away because it just doesn't seem to be his style. But you never know, Zach. You never know. And, you know, you said that what we think is going to happen, but those are what our brains think, right? That's not what our hearts think. Because my heart wants Vic Fangio or Zach Taylor. I don't – my heart doesn't want Mike Munchak, but my brain does think he will be the guy. And uh, if he is and that's the route they go, I can only hope that he they go innovative with their offensive coordinator and by some chance, by some miracle, they can convince Zach Taylor to come along because you also have a head coach in waiting there. So maybe you have him for two years and Munchak doesn't cut it. Then you can just promote Zach Taylor. I just love that potential marriage. You're blending old and new concepts. And I just think it, it, it really need what the Broncos need right now. A steadying hand at head coach and a cutting edge mind at offensive coordinator. I just think it'd be perfect. I agree. And here's the thing to keep in mind is we're trying to think the way Elway's thinking. He's got three years left on his deal. Joe Ellis, three years left on his deal as CEO and president of the team. These guys need to turn it around within that window, and they know it. So mm. in their minds, what's the quickest way to do that? Are they, they're, they're just not going to to speak to what Elway said on Monday about not liking to use the rebuild word. Zach and I completely attacked him for that. But if you're looking at it from his perspective, he's got three years to turn the ship around. What's the way I can shorten that curve? What's the way I can flatten that? And I think grabbing a guy who understands a model – can bring stability, whether it's a Munchak, whether it's a Chuck Pagano. That's who we've been told were the front runners. And this is, of course, before any interviews taken place with Fangio. And pairing those guys with some more forward-thinking, cutting-edge, you know, innovative-type minds at the coordinator positions. That's the way the Broncos feel like they can turn it around. And then the next piece to that, Zach, and it's coming soon, I'm telling you, everyone talks about the 2020 quarterback class. Elway doesn't have time to wait. He's got to get a quarterback now so that by the time year three comes around for him between now and then he's got something he can hang his hat on and i just don't think wait until 2020 well you know who knows you can turn it around in a year and sometimes in two i'm just not sure he is going to view it that way i think this might be the year that he really goes all in with a with a quarterback early on but we're gonna have plenty of time to dissect that topic yeah, you know, my mindset is you keep swinging until you hit a home run. You know, you keep getting a quarterback until you find the franchise guy, and whatever it takes. They haven't found him yet. They thought they were getting a franchise guy with Case Keenum. Didn't work out. Uh, maybe they identify someone in the offseason. Maybe there's a blockbuster trade from Nick Foles, improbably. Maybe there's a quarterback they like in the draft. But I agree with you. They have to have him on the roster in the near future, at least developing him. Maybe not starting him, but for sure developing him. They had him in Shad Kelly. Um, they don't have anyone of the future in store right now, and that's what makes Sean Elway's job that much more difficult. It's going to hamper who they can bring as a coach, players, free agents. They don't have a long-term quarterback on the roster. And until that changes, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. And we're going to look forward to being here to break it down for you guys in the weeks and months to come. But in the meantime, you guys, follow my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman247. You can find me, at Chad and Jensen. And make sure you're following the show at all costs, at HuddleUpPod, especially if you want to get in on the Mile High Mailbag each and every episode. Also, keep an eye out for that special that's hitting the website tomorrow on Monday. 
you're going to get an opportunity to get a couple, two, three months free for the cost of one month. That's basically what's what's coming out on Monday. So if you want to get locked in on these crucial months between now, free agency, the draft, you're going to want to take advantage of that, pull the trigger on becoming a VIP subscriber. So for my partner, Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you soon, and probably the next time we'll talk to you, we'll know who the 17th head coach of the Denver Broncos is. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.